The Outlet. The Talk of Southland. Welcome to The Outlet. I'm your host, Brent Harbour. Now, this podcast is all about local news, sport, interviews, and event info for Southland. In this podcast, I talk with Jason McKenzie, the Program Manager for Academy Southland. Academy Southland supports Southlanders to succeed at all kinds of levels in sport, giving them the opportunities, tools and support they need to reach the top of their game. We talk about the program, funding and their successes. And Harriet Bremner is an author, speaker and advocate for health and safety on farms. Harriet also won the 2023 New Zealand Zander McDonald Award. We talk about that, her first book and her love of farming. But first, let's check out some local news stories this week for the Southland app. The Outlet, local news. Here are some of the stories this week you can read more about on your Southland app. Southland has returned to an open fire season, with permits no longer required to light outdoor fires as the region's dry period comes to an end. Recent wet weather conditions and cooler days have prompted the change. Police have arrested a 27-year-old man following a burglary around midnight on Saturday the 25th of March, where a vehicle was used to gain entry. Following a search warrant being executed, the man was located and arrested and the motor vehicle was seized. And talented 16-year-old Invercargill racing driver Alex Crosby has won the 2023 Napa Auto Parts New Zealand Formula Ford Championship. It is the second year in succession that Crosby has won the title, which is a rare feat. You can find these stories and more on the news button of your Southland app. You're listening to The Outlet. I really like the interviews. I like that it's easy to listen to while I'm at the gym. I like that it's local and all about this community. The Outlet, the talk of Southland. Art at a Gallery presents A Life Drawing Journey, an exhibition of figure drawings and paintings by Jenny McNamara. The exhibition presents work from Jenny's life in a wide range of mediums, from chalk and oil pastels to acrylics, watercolours and oils. The exhibition runs until the 15th of April and you can get all the details by pressing the Events Attractions button on your Southland app. Jason McKenzie is the Program Manager for Academy Southland. We talk about the program, funding and their successes. Can you tell me about how long Academy Southland has been running and what was the motivation behind setting it up? Yeah, Brendan, I guess it's a pilot in 2015 actually, so we've been been around a while. We've had a 15 year anniversary, just looking at 20th coming up really. So it was a bit of a brainchild of a couple of people, a guy called Mike Piper, who was the a board member of the Academy South Island back in those days, and Kieran Smith, who was the CEO of the then Academy South Island before she went on to other things. And they were they were really keen. They saw a gap at that, st- that stage. There was the athletes and coaches that were well supported by the then high performance system in New Zealand. And then there was this community piece, and then there was a, there was a massive gap in the middle in the talent space. And so their motivation was to say, hey, we want to help provide something in that space to help our talented coaches and athletes bridge that gap sort of from from community through that talent space and into that high performance space. So that was certainly the motivation. How are the athletes selected to be in the program? How does that work? That's a good question. So um, so basically what happens, Brenda, is that anybody can nominate them. So we send out a nomination process and we go out to schools to parents, to regional sporting organisations or even national sporting organisations to say, hey, um, nominate anybody who you think would fit that criteria. And that criteria is looking for talented athletes or coaches that, that want to take that next step and are showing some 
challenge in that area and progressing and want to progress to that next level. So we take those applications from a wide range of people, then do a, a basic assessment of those applications, and then we go out to those to the RSOs, we get feedback from their coaches, we go to the regional sport organisations and when we can, the national sport organisations, getting a feeling for where they fit and get them to rank them in terms of their potential to represent New Zealand at the open elite level on the open, on the national stage. And we look at a combination of those things and some of the these um, other stuff in the um, application and out of that combination, that's how it's selected. So really where to gather information and, and look to um, get support from other people uh, that know a little bit more about the athletes than we do. What do they do as part of the program? I mean, what kind of training and support do they receive? So, so interestingly, um, our um, programs, as you can imagine, has evolved over those years, but it's the basics are the same, the fact that, that we, we provide the performance support for the athlete. So we're not there trying to be their coach. We're not trying to be their NSO. We're, we're supporting them across things like performance life or athlete life, mental skills, nutrition, strength and conditioning, and some of those massage and other type of services. So what we're doing basically is providing those support services that enable them to, to grow as athletes. And that's sort of where we started. And then we worked out we're probably getting it wrong for a bit of a while. We probably need to be growing them as people as well. Um, and so so now we've, our focus is really about growing them as much as people as we can. So it's developing them across all those from financial stuff to understanding mental health to understanding who they operate, who they are, what makes them tick as a person, what's important to them, and all those things that help make them a, I guess a well-rounded person as well as a sports person. Yeah that's that's really important isn't it? So what are some of the specific goals that you set and how do you measure their success? The goals that that, that we that I guess that we have for them is sort of pretty clear things as to one is to know who they are and where they're from, what makes them successful as a person as an athlete and how to achieve at the highest level and there's sort of our three goals for the for the program and for the young people as far as individual goes, goals go, they set themselves with their coaches and what they might be. Um, and then we looked at the success and what a success looks like. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. We've had amazing success in terms of Olympians and Commonwealth Games medalists and junior world champions and Olympic medals and stuff, which is fantastic. But success for us is is a bit wider than that, Brent. So what we did actually 15, on our 15 year anniversary, we surveyed um, all our past athletes and said to them, you know, um, what does success look like? What's your life like now? And we got an over 70% return rate, which was amazing. And the things they told us about the skills that they learned in our program they're using in their lives and their careers and their jobs, as well as their sport now, um, is phenomenal. So for that, us, that's success. Success also looks like we now have two of our past athletes, a Commonwealth Games athlete and a, and a sort of junior world champion come back and they're providers. They're a chiropractor and a physio in our program and an ex-athlete on our board. So success like us is, I guess, is, is providing pathways for those athletes as well. So it's measured across a, a number of demographics, I guess, Brent. Yeah, I had a chat with Cormac Buchanan. I mean, 16 years old, the first New Zealand rider to compete in the Red Bull Rookies Cup in Europe, and now he's off to Europe again. What a great success story he is. Yeah, and that's, I guess, we're so lucky. The, the great kids we get to work with, Brent, and we're, just, we're privileged. We're in a privileged position to be able to support them on their journeys and join them on their journeys, really, and, and adds a little bit of value where we can because the likes of Cormax has, has been in our, a program we run below this program in our strength conditioning program just as a young athlete for the last couple of years. So now, obviously, stepping into into these ranks and we'll get more of that support 
and again amazing kids and they're doing some amazing stuff so it's our part is to support them on that journey really so i know you've taken your intake for this year but if people want to get in touch and find out more jason what's the best way to go about it oh look we're really open brent there's a couple of ways obviously we've got our academy southland website that they can jump onto we have a facebook page and an instagram like all those other things these days to so jump on and have a look and, and see that but they're most welcome to contact me directly through those channels and happy to chat through them what we do and how we operate. For us, it's about getting as many people in the door as possible to find out and how we can support them along the way. Hey, well, thanks for having a chat and thank you for all the work you do. It's just so good to see young people succeeding in their chosen sport and all the support that you give them. That's absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Thanks, Brendan. As I said, it's a real privilege for for myself and our staff and our team to work with these young people um, and we get to tell their messages that their parents probably tell them they don't listen to um, because we're not their parents so we, yeah like I said we're in a very privileged position because it's not rocket science Brent but it's it's good to be part of their journey and we love it Local news, sport and information The Outlet Tiano's Tartan Festival is a chance to celebrate the South Scottish roots and the Southland Kiwi spirit. Highland performers compete in front of their home crowd and national judges and your family can enjoy a fine tartan themed day out with good food, a bumper Easter market, entertainment and a variety of specially adapted Highland games open to all. You can find all the info by clicking on the events and attractions button on your Southland app. Harriet Bremner is an author, speaker and advocate for health and safety on farms. Harriet also won the 2023 New Zealand Xander MacDonald Award, so I caught up with her to talk about that, her first book and her love of farming. Hi Harriet, welcome to The Outlet. Hi Brent, thank you so much for having me. Now congratulations on winning the 2023 New Zealand Xander MacDonald Award. Can you tell me a, a bit about the award and what it means to be named the winner? Oh look, I'm still on cloud nine from being announced the winner of the 2023 Xander McDonald Award. It was really unexpected. Uh, the finalists that were all over in Australia, from New Zealand and Australia, were all incredibly talented, amazing individuals. And we're all extremely different too, so I still don't know how the judges chose. But the Xander McDonald Award is a, an award that's been um, produced in the name of Xander McDonald himself, who was an Australian cattle farmer who sadly lost his life in an accident and he was 41 years old and if you could imagine the cool stuff you would have done by that age to have a Trans-Tasman Award named after you then he must have been an amazing, amazing guy. So we spent three or four days over in Brisbane the other week and we had no idea who the winner was, none of us, so we had our interviews back in November up in Martinborough. And, yeah, we literally didn't find out until that moment that your name was said who the winner was going to be. So complete surprise, very humbled. But for me, the award is just, yeah, such a special group of people to be part of. It's really surreal when your name gets read out at those things, isn't it? It really is. Ed, my husband, had to give me a nudge and say, that's you. (laughs) (laughs) Time to get up and, and had you prepared a speech or anything? Yeah, I had actually written down some things. You know, Dad actually rang me and said, look, there's a one in three chance. You need to be prepared. And when you've got, you know, the Xander McDonald family in the room, Shane McManaway, Richard Rain, all the sponsors, the other finalists, and it's such a privilege to win an award like that. I think it's nice to show that um, you pay the respect to the award by, by being prepared. So yes, I'm glad I did because then you you don't get stumped on the spot. So now you were a teacher, and you loved all things farming. When was the first time that 
you know, authoring a children's book popped into your head? Oh, look, a long time ago, to be honest. I remember sitting down maybe in 2015 thinking, right, I'm going to do it. This is it. And then the old self-doubt syndrome crept in and went, you're a teacher, not an author, you know, stay in your field, (laughs) do what you know sort of thing. And I guess deflect that confidence to go out there and give it a shot. And I guess through things that have happened in my life and grief and that I've realised that life's way too short to not follow your dreams. And one of my favourite parts of teaching was reading with the children and writing. And as a child growing up, I was that two-year-old that tried to read the newspaper, um, my parents tell me. So I've always loved books and I can't walk into a bookshop and not buy a picture book because I just think they're great. So yeah, always been a dream of mine for a long, long time. And I guess it's fair to say I've you know, been through a lot and I'm living my best dream right now, writing children's books and farming full-time. So it's pretty exciting to me and yeah, the Zander McDonald Award is just going to open up a whole lot of possibilities for me in the future with some great people too, so that's exciting. How is it putting that first book together? Because, I mean, the illustrations are such an important part. Did you have an idea of how you wanted it to look when you were planning it out and writing it? Yeah, so my, my first book's really special to me and it took about 10 months from... I mean, writing it was the easy part. It's all the other things that no one tells you about when you produce a book. Um, IBSN numbers and all these other things that probably took take the time. And I was also working over in the UK that year too. So I was working during the day and then up till three o'clock in the morning their time to be awake for New Zealand time to work with my illustrator and things like that. But I'm really lucky that one of my good friends, Dana Johnson, is my illustrator. And she's a well-known artist, photographer, sign writer. So I essentially just wrote my book in a, in a little scrapbook. The idea came to me over a cup of tea and I, I wrote that down and then I went down the road with my sister-in-law and we said to Dana, who I didn't know that well at the time, how would you feel about giving being a children's book or uh, illustrator a go and read her the story and the answer was yes. And from there she's illustrated all four of my books, some other books as well. And she just has this incredible knack for putting into the book what I can what I've visualized in my mind so we work really closely together and we critique it together and the whole process is done together but she just has this amazing knack for producing what I would like to be able to draw (laughs) but I'm not that good at it uh on paper so yeah very special partnership that we've got very lucky yeah they look great I mean they look beautiful and it's so important when you're reading the kids because they're engaged with not only the words and the message but the pictures as well yeah, and I think the great thing about Dana is that we, we do a photo shoot first and each of the stories is based at a farm somewhere in South Island. So the background of each picture is actually a real photograph from the place that the book's written from. So, you know, it really gives it that authentic New Zealand rural feel about it. And then all the characters in it are real characters, so nothing's made up. And so it's really special. So I've got, in the latest one, was the word, I've got a friend's dog Sylvie is the wall cluster in the story uh, with Poppy my sausage dog who is the main character two of my hunterways in there and my now husband he's, he made it to the front page he's very excited about that but yeah so it's all things that uh, children and adults can all relate to whether you're a rural or an urban person so an urban child might have a pet at home just so they can relate to their pet cat being like what Poppy means to me you know you've got children on the farm that love to cruise around with mum and dad's uh, farm dogs so they can relate to those and I've got sheep and you know, all that sort of thing. So it's very relatable. And, and 
when I was teaching, I really struggled to find a big selection of stories that were targeting those rural children as well, you know, that were high interest, especially to those little boys that would rather be outside riding their motorbike, not necessarily sitting down reading. But I have been told that uh, Bob and Pop sleeps under many a pillow of a small farm boy around the place, so that's pretty cool. You are doing farming school days. Can you tell me a little bit about those and how they work and what impact they really have in a community? Yeah, so if we think about health and safety and wellbeing in our rural industry, we, especially with the health and safety side of it, we, you might get a lot of people roll their eyes and, oh God, paperwork and policies and procedures, that sort of thinking, and it very much has been forced upon us in the last decade or so to think like that. And health and safety came from factory operations where potentially you can implement the same thing every day, all day. But farmers are affected by so many different things from the weather to the fact that you might do 30 different things in a day and those things every time you do them are different because of other external factors and so I really want to turn health and safety on its head in New Zealand and culture and say well actually it's not about safe work policies and procedures at all that doesn't save anyone's life we know that from the statistics coming through that they're not getting better we've already had far too many deaths this year in agriculture on farm and when I was a child growing up we had you might remember at the McDonald's Make It Click campaign for wearing seatbelts on the road Mm. I still know the song, you probably still know the song, but it was a campaign that targeted children at being the advocates for changes in behaviours. And 30 years ago, not everyone wore their seatbelt on the road and now they do. So I've designed the Think Safe Brain campaign and am working with New Zealand Police as well. And we're going into rural schools and running practical farming days that target health, safety and wellbeing for both our adults and our children. And so what happens is the children get sent, use your voice and be safe to be seen, two of my books, a week or two before the day. And their teachers read the story with them, talk about the messaging, how to, what a Think Safe Brain is. And then when the children come to the day, they go around a whole lot of modules from anything from learning how to use fire extinguishers, uh, there's tractors with implements, PDO shafts, um, New Zealand Police run a firearms module. There are real guns, real firearms, real ammo, and they have real conversations with these kids and the adults that are there as well. We've got power line companies that come along and mimic power poles, talk to the kids about, you know, what would happen after a storm. You were driving around the farm on your wee motorbike and you came across maybe someone's farm truck and their power wires on the ground and there are people in the vehicle. What would you do in that situation? We do emergency work with the children. You name it, it's there and it's all practical and it's all chemical safety. It's Yeah, it's all things that make sense. And you sometimes will hear parents or people say to their kids, or oh, don't stand there. But, you know, if you're busy and you're trying to get things done, or oh, just don't stand there. And that, that's said with good intent. But you're leaving a child standing here going, why? And you know what happens when people wonder why they want yes. to go and look <laughs> or touch or whatever. So it's about teaching adults as well to have these literal conversations with these children. You know, if you go too close to that and your shirt's caught in that, then you can get wrapped around it and this will happen. So the day is to not only teach our kids about the things that are dangerous on the farm and around about the place, but also to show the adults how to have these conversations with their children. And then I've actually had quite a few parents say to me that have had the days that their child came home and taught them some things that they didn't know about, whether it's from some of the firearm safety rules, whether it's 
you know, getting dad to wear his helmet on his motorbike. But, you know, a child will simply wear the helmet on their motorbike because to them, literally, if you fall off and hit your head, you'll die if you're not wearing it. You know, it's very simple and literal. And, um, you know, they'll go home and say that to dad. You know, I want you to wear your helmet because I don't want you to die. And so we're getting people to really think about health and safety from that that viewpoint of, well, it can happen to me. What am I going to do to stop it from happening to me and ensure that I go home alive to my family at the end of every single day? So really pulling on that emotive side of things and why we do things, as well as tying in, you know, for me, health and safety and well-being. It's frustrating you have to say that. Health is safety. We can't be safe without looking after our physical and mental health. So that's a really important part of it. Yeah, so it just encompasses so many things and I could talk about it forever, but the children then get sponsored um, with Be Safe, Be Seen and Use Your Voice to take that home. And so Otago Rural Support Trust is sponsoring those books for over 200 children this Friday at Maniototo Area School for three schools. So that, that takes the messaging home into the household and then out onto the farm as well to secure that learning. And I do believe that children are going to be a game changer in this space. You know, you'll hear an an older person say, oh, well, I've been riding my motorbike without my helmet for 30 years and I'm still here. And it's like, yeah, but if you really looked back at those 30 years, how many times were you like so close to not being here? And that's purely good luck, not good management. Just because we get away with something once shouldn't give us permission to keep doing that dangerous thing because at the end of the day, your child or your grandchild might go and do that one thing one time and it might be the thing that takes their life. Environments change in 30 years. They really do. Yeah, absolutely. And like, we've got things like side-by-sides now. You know, those things go fast. Predominantly, they get rolled on the flat because they've got strong grippy tyres. Someone's cruising along, chasing a lamb or something, turns too sharply. They roll on their side. If you're wearing a seatbelt, it'll just roll on its side. If you're not, the roll cage is the thing that will crush you, you know? And you just hear so many people say that it'll never happen to me. And, you know, it just could be you next time. So I really just want people to think about what are you doing that you can change that makes sense. It's part of everyday farming business and, you know, you can still have fun while you're being safe too. So you do all these things, podcasting, you're writing books, doing health and safety, school days. So actually working on Jericho Station, is that like a relaxing thing for you, is it? <laughs> yeah, I look, everything that I do, I love and I'm very passionate about. I spent eight years in the classroom teaching farming on the weekends and holidays and after school and things, but my dream was always to be farming full-time. And for any girls listening out there that are choosing their career and have been told that there's no future in farming for girls, please don't be like me and listen, because there absolutely is a future in farming for girls. Uh, there's so many opportunities out there You've got the likes of, um, you know, Xander McDonald Award, which if you're thinking about applying, please do, because it's an incredible group of people with so many opportunities out there for us. And, you know, we've just employed a new shepherd on the farm. She's also called Harriet, and, you know, she's a young female. We've been crutching sheep together this afternoon, and look, it's, it's fantastic to see girls getting out there and getting their hands dirty and being, you know, a real part of the farming, farming culture and grassroots day-to-day business so yeah it's exciting to see the outlet from your southland dam Thanks for listening to The Outlet. The Outlet is produced and published by the Southland App and supported with funding from the New Zealand Public Interest Journalism Fund. All episodes of The Outlet are available on the Outlet button of your Southland App and wherever you get your podcasts.